hello and welcome to another episode of Metapsychics. I'm Liv. This is M. M. Say hi. I think you almost forgot your name. I did. I was going to say M 100%, which we've done in YouTube videos in the past, but that's besides the point. We are your sidekicks to all things metaphysical, best friends, business partners, twin flames, and we're here to talk to you with Schuler Johnson of PIOT Paranormal. Schuler, say hi. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm sure they're doing fine. And if they're not, eat a cookie, drink some water, maybe drink some milk. It makes my brother feel better, and he's a grown adult. Oh, God. What? It's true. <laughs> But today we're going to be talking with, again, I told you, Schuler Johnson, and he is a paranormal investigator, especial professional, which we are not. We're just psychic mediums. But we want to be. We want to be as cool as Schuler. But we're very much beginners at the beginning of our ghost investigation journey. The baby weebs. Baby weebs. But he's going to tell us all of the <laughs> boos and don'ts of paranormal investigation. I'm so excited. So do you first want to tell our audience like who you are, what you do, all the experiences that you have? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's not a problem. I do have a lot. So I, I guess I'll just start with like one or two. I don't want to keep you guys held up too long. but I need the PowerPoint presentation. It needs to be citated, uh, MLA format, <laughs> single space. Well, I have, 12 I have pages. questions about your other investigations. So first, just start with like what you do and how much experience you have, you know. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah. Again, my name is Schuler Johnson and I've been in the paranormal field for about, was it 11, 12 years now? Yeah. Since 2011, I started when I was 17. I was in high school. Um, just kind of didn't want to do the boring stuff anymore, you know, playing video games, going out, seeing movies or whatever. I wanted to start doing the things that I've seen on TV and I figured, you know, let's look up some local locations and Indiana, Indianapolis actually had quite a few. And I grabbed some of my buddies up and said, Hey, let's, let's uh, look some things up here. Let's try some cemeteries. And of course we did. That was actually the first investigation we ever did was a cemetery in the center of Indianapolis, like Crown Hill Cemetery. Very, very haunted by the way. It's a very unique location, <laughs> but what really uh, captured my mind and has captured my heart and a little bit of my soul is the gym of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm sure so many people have heard me say this or probably tired of it, but it's a central state hospital. It's a mental asylum. And that place literally changed my life. And, um, you know, from all the experiences I've had, that place really sticks home with me. It does. And as a 17 year old, all the way up to, you know, 21, I, I had quite a few years at that location and, and others too, to compare to. And, and that really opened up a lot for me. It did. That's great. So you, you were the one that kind of instigated the investigation team. Is that correct? That's right, Em. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I formed it, and I had a buddy of mine help me with the logo, and we just kind of got buddies together, and we started doing uh, weekend trips. So I have a lot of other friends that also have ghost investigation teams, and they all have, like, a story that got them into it. So I was wondering if you had one of these experiences or stories that really, like, this is what I want to do. I've had this paranormal experience that has really gotten me into ghost investigation. Right. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, you know, in a nutshell, I, I think I've, you know, shared this a little bit prior. It's it's something that I really didn't think a lot of in my earlier years. And it wasn't until I started watching Ghost Adventures at the you know age of 17. And I really just wanted to test the theory of these TV shows and even the Hollywood movies like Paranormal Activity. How real are they? Why is spirituality so taboo? Why are churches so um, 
not all churches, but why are a lot of religions and churches so close-minded, if you will? Why can't we go out and talk to spirits without it being called witchcraft or, you know, uh, devil worship or we're doing something bad? There's a lot of different things I wanted to test, and I ultimately wanted to test is spirituality even real? Are there spirits? What happens after we pass? There's got to be more than just the flesh going to work and all that fun stuff. So that's really what piqued my interest. I got some buddies together that some weren't as happy. You know, they were kind of spooked in the beginning. But I'm like, come on, it'll be fun. You know, we'll go on trips. You know, maybe we'll stop by McDonald's or White Castle. You know, I'll buy you coffee or something. You know, it's, <laughs> and, and typically food, it really won a lot of my friends over. So they hung out with me in cemeteries and asylums at that point. But um, M ultimately, what really got me in love with the supernatural after the fact of just trying to test if it's real was probably my first th- my first four visits to Central State. So my very first investigation was Crown Hill, and then the second was Central State, and then you know two, three, four onward. But the first two investigations at Central State, it was more just creepy vibes, old dilapidated buildings, you know. Um, it's, I, I don't know, that not a lot happened. I did hear some stuff, you know, w- with the team that I was with those first two times. We heard things, but it was also kind of rainy the first time. The second time, you know, it was damp. So, you know, it could have been water or whatever. Nothing significant there that I could tell you it was like a person or a, a monster or whatever, you know. It's, it's like whatever. But up until the, like, the third and fourth visit, things started to change. And I think the reason why that changed and we started getting more activity is because we started to actually talk. We actually started to put out our energy. We were even naive enough to offer our energy to any and everything that was in that environment. And that's when things started to actually pick up. And, you know, I don't know why we went back so many times when we got nothing, you know, the first couple of times. I, I really don't. Maybe it's because there was like seven buildings to explore on this 148 acres of land, you know, but it's uh, it, it was it was fun. So maybe that's what brought us back to it. But what really set in stone was when we started to, I guess, interrogate the spirits. We started to provoke a little bit. We took what we saw from TV and brought it to our investigations. We started to get poltergeist-like activity. And it started in the women's ward building of Central State down in the basement level. They had like underground rec rooms. I don't know why they would do it underground. I mean, there's those are other stories for other times with like mad scientists and just negative people wanting to be mean to individuals that weren't deemed um, good enough for society. But there were underground recreational rooms along with the boiler rooms. But um, eventually it started in the rec rooms and we would have batteries thrown at us. We would have pennies thrown at us, nickels, dimes, rocks, little bits of glass, you name it. Anything that was there on the floor from the debris of the building, they were being picked up and thrown at us when we would provoke and when we would ask for a sign. And before we provoked, before we offered our energy, we would have these objects thrown against the wall close to us. Man, let me tell you, when they were thrown, they were thrown with force, like something was pissed. But then when we started offering our energy along with, you know, communicating and then provoking, the things started to hit us. So it's like we kind of broke that barrier and we allowed them to. But until we offered that opportunity for them to interact with us, like one on one physically, they did. They never touched us. They never actually hit us with anything. They just threw they literally threw everything around us. It was almost perfect, you know, that they didn't hit us. They never actually hit us until we asked for it. But, yeah, it's um, stuff like that. A central state, man, it's. It's still, uh, it bleeds right into my mind. It's so vivid. It's it's so overwhelming. I don't know if you can tell, but 
I kind of stumble on my words because I'm reimagining the environment. <laughs> and it's just so real, and I, I just can't believe that stuff actually happened. It's wild. Yeah, the location that you're talking about, I feel like you may have been picking up on a lot of clairsentient feelings or vibes of it, because there's a lot of different things within it, but that's what I feel like maybe brought you back there time and time again. But, uh, right. Was that like one of your best investigations? That was like the one that like changed things for you? It was the beginning. Um, there were two in particular that actually made it a game changer, I guess. But that that particular investigation was kind of what drew us in. We we started to really have validation that something was there. And thinking about it, actually, the second investigation, the second time that we went to Central State, we didn't get much. But I say we didn't get much because it was only one thing because we left right after. But I actually got touched on my shoulder by a hand. I, I felt the bones. I felt the fingers. And the craziest part about it is when the hand actually grabbed my shoulder, there was like an electro mag. It, it was electrifying. You know, it was like um, those little pulsating patches that you put on your muscles to uh, relax you if you have sore or tense muscles. Uh, it, it was like you put one of those on and the, uh, the, the electricity was like pulsating through my shoulder when I felt this hand grab me. And prior to this experience, I was talking to, you know, the inhabitants of the, the women's ward. Again, this was down in the women's ward, but it was in the hallway in front of the rec room. And this was before poltergeist activity. I don't know that the hand happened, but right before the hand grabbed me, my flashlight and the only other individual that was with me, there's only two of us this time, our flashlight started to flicker and then they went completely black, completely black. My buddy was about 10 feet away from me pretty good distance and then that's when the hand came right up on me um that was my buddy's first time being there that was only my second time so it's not like we had the area mapped out there's debris all over the place rusty pipes there's syringes it's really not something you want to play around in without a flashlight so i honest to god believe it wasn't my friend doing that and as soon as i got touched you know i screamed like a little girl i start <laughs> smacking my hand <laughs> you know with my flashlight Same. and and i i'm still i'm still screaming like at that time at 17 i still had a high high pitch enough voice so i could actually scream a little bit like home alone but yeah it, it was crazy man so i kept smacking my flashlight and it finally came back on it, it was kind of spitting though it, it was trying to come on it was flickering off flickering back on and it finally came back on and I turn around, and I look at my buddy, and he's still exactly where he was. And he said, dude, what's what's wrong, man? What happened? I said, something just grabbed me. Something literally just touched me. And I explained to him just what I explained to you. And and we left. We left. That, that was enough for that night. And I don't know. Like, it it, it was real. It, it was intense. But I still wanted more. I still needed more validation. Because there's also a part of me that was believing maybe I just spooked myself. So that's why we went back and we went back and we went back. But that third time onward, that's when we started getting actual poltergeist activity because we went there the third time onward and we didn't get anything for like maybe about an hour, if not two hours. And we started getting tired, started getting annoyed. So we started to provoke. And uh, that's that's when the activity started coming. And yeah, it's it was insane. And then um, th there's two there's two stories that really stand out. The short one is the woman in white. I don't know if you want to hear that one or not. <laughs> Liv, is that the woman that's standing behind me? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> because you say that you were touched, and it, like I don't normally get touched by spirits. Have but you... in the podcast that we did on your channel, there was a woman standing behind me, and she had her sh her hand on my shoulder, and she's telling me I about remember. your gifts. 
because you were I like, remember you saying that. Yeah. Oh, but she's one of his guides, though. Remember? No, it's not a spirit guide. No? Well, we were no. talking about one of the ladies know. that looks like that, though, for him. I know what she looks like. That's not the person that's standing behind me. You she's talk still there. to the scary things. I don't talk to well, the I scary didn't know things. she was a scary thing. She's a woman. <laughs> I Okay, well, I thought when you were but, walking out and something put its hand on your shoulder, I saw well, a woman. It's not. But well, I al- no, I saw a woman down in the basement, but then I also saw you leaving the property and there mm-hmm. was a man that was walking you off the property as well. But yeah. then you talked about a woman in the basement and I was like, this is weird. Yeah, because I thought this woman was someone that you like went on an investigation with, but I was like, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird for me to assume that. Maybe Obviously they were just because- trying right. to tell you about your car's extended warranty. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it freaks me out a little bit that you say that there's a woman in white. Sorry, continue. Because they're standing behind me. <laughs> Oh, you're fine. No, I, I can only under I can only imagine what you're filling in. You know, you being able to fill that, see that, and if it is the exact person or entity that I encountered, yeah, that that would be even more intense. What a connection. <laughs> well, yeah, she also is explaining that the reason why the experiences that you have are so I don't know if profound is the right word is because you have a hard time noticing the difference where you second guess it yourself. So they do something like very, very obvious. So if it's a sound, it's usually physical sound because you're going to listen to a physical sound instead of a sound that's happening like within your mental space or with clairsentience, it's something that's going to happen physically to you. I don't normally have spirits touching me and it's because that's how you experience your clairs is it's very intense. Because you kind oh, of block yeah. it out a little bit. Oh yeah, no, no, you're hitting the you're hitting the nail right on the head, and it's that's exactly how I am, and I've always been that way, and I I don't know why. It's it's just um, I'm very earthbound, I guess. I have to have some type of evidence to know that I'm not losing my mind and I'm not just second guessing. It might come back to the whole hardcore criticism that the paranormal field can get. You know, people are like, ah, oh, that could be this or that could be that, and it's also the the world we live in. There's Unfortunately, so many different things that people can fabricate with software and and technology and animatronics and you name it, you know. So for me to experience something that's very profound, definitive, blunt, apparent, it's important to me because I want to make sure that I'm actually getting what is being sent, you know, perceived, if you will. Right. So what was the woman with white before we (laughs) interrupted you? Sorry. Oh, you're fine. No, no, that's rabbit holes, man. I do rabbit holes all the time. It's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah, the woman in white, this was a completely different time. This was probably almost a year after being touched on the shoulder. The the shoulder touching. I- Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I feel like it was a woman. I truly do. I did then. I do now. But I didn't see anything. I just felt it. And that was it. Um, But now we're moving on from 2011. All this was happening in 2011. Let's see. Probably until like October. And then 2012 rolls around. And this is when things really start to get intense. Because 2011, even though we were going to Central State quite often, it wasn't every week and all the time. That didn't really start until the end of 2011 into early 2012. And that's where a lot of that activity really started to get 
intense. I believe it was June, July. It was in the summertime because I remember when the woman in white experience happened, there was a warm wind. So it was outside. It was in the middle of Central State in the courtyard, and it, it was fairly warm. And the wind was blowing really, really strong this night. And, and that's what made the night feel good. And the, the leaves were moving, and I just remember everything really vivid. And there's four of us, including myself. And, you know, we, we kind of understand Central State. We know the buildings. We know the layout. We, we've done a lot of research on what could have happened and how patients were treated and alleged, you know, deaths and things of that nature. So we haven't actually investigated the courtyard outside yet at this point. So that's where we go. And as we go out there, we start to communicate more so silently. I guess we just try to listen to the environment, even though the wind's kind of loud. And I mentally am talking to the spirits in my mind. I'm, I'm trying to use telepathy and, and talk to them, you know, and uh, I don't really get anything. I, I don't, we, uh, I, I do, we sit there, I talk in my head for about maybe 25, 30 minutes, nothing happens. And then finally something happens just out of, out of nowhere, probably about 50, 75 feet in front of us in the center of the courtyard, there is a stack of bushes, shrubs on the right hand side in front of us in, in our field review on the left hand side in front of the bushes is like maybe one one to three trees that are just kind of you know lined up around each other a little bit and the shrubs i found this out later on underneath the shrubs was actually a concrete foundation i did not know this at the time so there was some type of structure there i don't know if it was like a maintenance shed or like a locker room because there's basketball courts football field not too sure what they had there but there was a foundation there um again i didn't know this but where that foundation where the shrubs were overgrown a woman in white pops out of nowhere literally it's it's a woman in a gown and like a patient gown she has solid black hair that goes down to her mid back she has a face but no details she you can see the indents of her eyes you can see her nose you can see her mouth her hands are down to her side she has no feet and she's literally levitating from the shrubs to the tree and she appeared like smoke like somebody blew out smoke out of their mouth that's how she appeared and when she appeared i went deaf Everything around me completely slowed down besides her and the trees. Trees still moved. She was there and she was literally floating like an animatronic at a haunted house, completely non-human like, but she was moving, didn't look at me. And she, it felt like minutes, but it was seconds. It felt like it took forever, but she finally gets to the tree. And when she hits the tree, just like she appeared, she evaporated into smoke again. She just kind of dissipated. And when she left, my ears popped and sound started like whirring back to me, you know, and I could hear things again finally. And I could hear the tree, the, the leaves actually move instead of just watching them. I could hear my buddies whispering to one another like, oh, man, I'm, I'm not getting anything. What about you? You know, just everything I couldn't hear, I got that back. It's kind of like I was sucked into another world, I guess, or another dimension. And mind you, this is the only time that I have ever physically seen an apparition with my eyes, with my naked eyes it, to this day. Other than this little cat figure that I've seen <laughs> in my new home that I've shared with you prior, um, I've not actually seen a full-bodied apparition like this. And, and prior to that, I've never seen one. And I used no equipment. I saw this, and it was just yeah. mind-blowing, man. Like, oh, my God. And I haven't forgot her, and I still haven't. And I, I can go into theories about what I think happened to her and why she was there and all that. But um, that, that was kind of like one of my biggest um, – one of my biggest explosions of a 
encounter with with the the supernatural and it, it, it was just intense yeah is that the girl that's behind you because the 100%. woman that touched him in the basement or whatever does not look like that yeah no this woman that's behind me she has dark hair it's about as long as my hair so a little bit longer than shoulder length and she feels like a cold breeze and she is very every time i try to describe intense her, well, every time I try to describe her, she, like, corrects me. She's like, don't make me sound so awful. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> she's, like, very – she doesn't want me to use the word stern. But <laughs> that's what I use. She's like, don't be Liv. That's why I'm specifically not talking to her because she's – Well, dumb. you just you, – you I don't time talking to women, women mm-hmm. that – women in white in particular. Because it's a cliche and they know it. I'm kidding. But yeah, the reason why you weren't able to hear is because you're very clairaudient. And that is one of the like, I don't know if it's, I get that when I'm blocking information out. It's almost like you have your hand over your ear or you have water in your ear or something like that. It's like you just lose the ability to hear in one or both ears. And that's usually when I'm blocking a spirit out. So that's why when you were seeing it, you were like overwhelmed by the fact that you were seeing an apparition, so you were subconsciously like blocking that out. Do you know how she passed? Did she pass from head trauma? Yes. That's why also he was hearing that because that's uh, the sound that she heard before she died. Yeah, the second you said that, my head started. Hurting. Yeah, I've just been <laughs> feeling like wow. you know in the movies, like the spy movies, where they like clap your hands over your ears. Oh yeah, that I makes feel sense. like that, but on the entire right hand side of my head. Hmm. I can feel her presence clairsentiently, which is not a usual thing that I get mm-hmm. this very clairsentient information because she's making wow. me get like chills throughout my entire body on the right hand side. Yeah, she wouldn't be someone that I would skip in the park with. Yeah, she's she's a little bit scary. <laughs> That's why you talk to her. <laughs> but usually women in white are like positive normally. I don't know, though. I think it's just that they usually have a story. Yeah, they do. They usually have a story. Mm hmm. There's some sort of martyr if you're looking at it from a non-mediumship way, but culturally and historically, women in white are usually attributed to being some sort of martyr or die in a tragic or mysterious way. I don't know if you have heard the same sort of consensus, Schuler. Right. I have lived. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I thought, especially after and knowing of that research and doing more research into it with her being in white like that. One thing I thought right off was her being a patient. That That's the first vibe that I got. And the way she was dressed, it seemed like a robe, you know, or, or some type of gown. It didn't seem like she was in a nurse's dress or um, a mm-hmm. lab coat or, or anything of that nature. It seemed like she was more of a patient, not someone of power. Uh, if she was there at Central State and You know, I I don't know any history of a woman passing away. There are stories that have been documented, but, you know, uh, Central State was around from 1848 was when it was legally established. It had its closure in 1994. So it's it's had a lot of energy passed through, and I'm sure a lot of it was undocumented. But with her, a buddy of mine that I met later in, I believe it was 2014, 2015, really good buddy of mine. He's in love with Central State just like I am, if not obsessed, if that's a better word. And we both discussed her because apparently he's seen her too. 
later on in 2014 and I shared my story with him as we started walking the grounds because we met at Central State. So I truly feel that our paths were aligned for sure for a reason. And he shared his story with uh, with me about seeing that same woman in the courtyard. And, and he walked me over to where he saw her. And this was before I shared all of the detail with him. I just told him that I seen this woman in the courtyard. He brought me over to where he saw her and it was right there in that same spot, same trees, same brushes. Um, the brushes were, were kind of dead because it was, you know, early, uh, late winter time at this point. But that's why I was finally able to see that concrete slab because the br the bush was actually dead. And he shared with me, he's like, yeah, dude, check this out. It's like there was some type of foundation here. He's like, I've done a lot of research on the lands. And he's like, I'm not too sure what it could be, but it might have been, you know, um, a locker room, maintenance shed, something like that. So we kind of collaborated with our thoughts and what we've kind of speculated on, I guess, is she was a victim of some ungodly actions and it could have happened in that little shed or around that area and that's where she was killed and brutalized and uh, th that's the emotions that I got and that he got. I I'm not sure if that can be confirmed, but that's the, the sad emotions that we got with her kind of being locked there is what we think. Um, that's why she was showing herself, maybe trying to share her story of what happened to her. Yeah, she's telling me that her husband put her there for being like obstinate because she has a very strong will. I feel like the reason he put her there was he claimed that she wouldn't do the womanly duties that she was supposed to, basically dubbing her as a broken woman or a um mm. he she wants me to use a different term. It's like um rogue, like a rogue woman basically. I f is your friend chubby? No, <laughs> not this, not this one. Okay, does he work with somebody that is chubby? I see like a chubbier man, and he has like a beard or a goatee that's a little scruffy and brown hair. If he does live, I really don't know because I've I met a couple of his friends, but I can't say someone that was like chubby. One of his buddies it was kind of broad, but not chubby. But I, I didn't get to meet too many of his friends. Okay, no, that's all right. And she's talking about a weak heart. That's why it's not documented. Gotcha. Like she had a weak heart? She wants to say that she was put there because the person that she was married to didn't end up agreeing with her. Or she's like, I didn't agree with him. And there's not much that I could do about it. And they kind of pegged her as this woman that was angry and needed to be dealt with. So they used different drugs on her to make her more submissive in her surroundings that led to the weak heart. So you're not going to find her as a death that is like accidental or anything like that because it was dubbed mm. a weak heart. Wow. Wow, man, that really makes me want to get my hands on some of the documents, you know, <laughs> see if uh, see if there's any like heart patients or anything like that. But I mean, there's so many people, though, and, and, and I'm sure there's so many undocumented, too. But mm -hmm. it, it just really kind of makes you want to personalize with these spirits that show themselves to you for whatever reason you know you want to help them but at the time i really didn't know what to do and there's something i can do now or that we can do i'm all game for that but it, it just really kind of puts you on a whole nother level of wanting to help people yeah i don't i don't think there's anything you could do she's like you asked for it so you know <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> that i did yeah i did i asked for activity and she uh she showed herself man it, it was i i'm, I'm very appreciative yeah. Yeah. She used the idea of like when a projector screen can be played through like fog and it looks cooler. That's what she said that she used. Yeah. That's to... why she looks like smoke because she doesn't look like smoke to me. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she did too, man. Like it, it was it was intense. It she uh she looked like you said like a projector. It was almost like um if if I gave her physical features to how she moved, it was as if she was on a string in a haunted house, an animatronic. Because her hands were completely down to her sides. She she didn't really have like a fluid movement. She just kind of evaporated out of nowhere and just kind of moved <laughs> and then dissipated. You know, it was it was very bizarre how she moved. Right. So for our next question, have you ever what is that I wanted to ask? Kind of just left me. <laughs> like the woman in white evaporating exactly. the trees. Yeah, infiltrating <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> um, so one of the questions that I have, is it normally like that when you go on ghost investigations? Because we've only gone on one. Is it usually very active or is it usually very quiet? How do they like normally go? Gotcha. Yeah, that's a really good question, Em. Yeah, it, it depends, I believe, truly on, one, your energy, your intentions. Uh, and it also is going to depend on the actual location. I'll start with us as investigators, as people, our own entities. It really matters on your intention. From my experiences, if you go in, it's weird. If, if you go in with hostile, negative energy, you're going to get something for sure, from my experience. Now, whether or not that's going to be good, probably not. And there's a really good chance that you could have things come home with you. And, and I'm speaking very much on experience. You know, you'll get what you're asking for. But it's, you know, literally like they say, uh, be careful what you wish for, you know, because you'll you'll get something a little bit extra. Um, you can if you're not protective. And uh, the, but this, at the same time, you can go in with, you know, this positive mindset, this good, healthy energy. And as long as you're open and you're intuitive to yourself and the environments and the possibilities that spirits really do exist, that really makes or breaks the whole environment. It, it really depends on how open, because there's been individuals, you know, that are not quite open. Uh, they don't believe in anything, but they do want to go with you on an investigation, but they're expecting to see something pop out like a haunted house attraction. Right. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. You know, um, I, I've gone neutrally where I, didn't say anything. I didn't try to interact and you still get stuff. It's, it's, I think that's more creepy than it is when you go in trying to talk to them because when you walk through a building or a hallway uh, or even a cemetery and you start to hear things that just happen naturally because you're there at the right time, that really kind of makes me <laughs> get the chills because it's like that stuff's real and it's around us even when we're not looking for it. But yeah, you can go in, you know, full headed and, you know, ask for stuff all day, all night, and maybe you won't get anything. I, I can tell you for sure. It's not like TV where you see something every three to five minutes. Right. Um, it, it comes not only, it doesn't also, it doesn't just rely on you. It relies on the spirits um, because they're very real. They're very conscious and it depends on their energy. It depends on their feelings, the type of people or the type of things that they are, if they're good or bad, trickster, um, anything in between. And sometimes it could be even residual. It may not even be an intelligent spirit. It could be something that's on replay. Right. With what you're talking about, you mentioned that you brought things home and that you had attachments. Would you explain that? Because I have a different perception of it as a psychic medium, and I've tried to have my guides explain what an attachment is. Like, how do you know you have an attachment? Right. No, that's very fair. So, for example, myself, I really didn't get into the supernatural until 17, and I went looking for it. I 
didn't really grow up with anything that I believe to be like, you know, uh, sensitivities or abilities uh, or, or anything like that, really. I mean, I had my imaginary friend, as I've spoken on before, but I haven't had anything that I could really say is like abilities or understandings. It's just I have the as normal of a physical life as you could possibly imagine. But when I started getting into the supernatural, I experienced things, but I didn't take anything home with me for the first you know, year or so. It wasn't until I started to antagonize, provoke, and offer my energy to these alleged entities at these locations. That's when I finally took something home. And it wasn't that I was just talking at them or cursing them. This is actually the other story that I was kind of mentioning that really stands out to me that made me fall in love with the supernatural. It terrified me and changed my life in the beginning. But I actually, if if you want a true visual of this story, I was fortunate enough to work with Eli Roth, a horror director, producer, um, on one of his newest TV shows that he came out with just last year uh, called Eli Roth's A Ghost Ruined My Life. And I'm actually on episode three about this exact story. Truly, truly life-changing. It's... <laughs> it was in the women's ward. It started in the women's ward, but it eventually led through the tunnel system that connected all the different buildings. And the tunnel system that we took started at the women's ward where we had gone to for at least almost a year at this point, but we decided to venture on to a new area that we had not been to yet. That was the bar treatment center. Uh, that's the surgery ward. So we figured that would probably be the big primo of negative energy, a lot of tragedy, a lot of literal and, and spiritual bloodstain, you know. And so we, we decided to go there and kind of check things out. We had also recently done some research that there was a sub-basement underneath the basement that we were in. Fortunately, to this day, I've never found it. My my good friend that I was speaking to you about earlier, uh, Nick, really good guy, he was able to find it. By the time that he found it, though, it looked like it had caved in. I know that there had been some demolition work shortly after 1994 and, and up to 2016, so he couldn't access it by the time that he found it. But um, but there was a sub-basement, and the reason for that is because that's what we were looking for. Because the documentation that we found was that there were the really bad patients or patients that were just quoted as like guinea pigs or toys and just do ungodly things, an experiment. <laughs> and Oh, yes, please. Did they say that they kept, like, food down there? Like, the drinks, like, beer? But in reality, it was people? That I don't know, Liv. I, I can't exactly guarantee that there's documentation on that or that I found any. But with them having rec rooms down there, I could see that being utilized. They also had an elevator, a freight elevator that went up and down. So they could take food down there and food trays and things of that are nature. You, are you saying that they're using it to cover it up, what they're doing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a man mm. that's telling me that whatever you're saying is not true and that they just used to keep the drinks down there for the patients and the food. To kind of come Gotcha. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So that was kind of the their cover story to get away with what they were doing. Correct. Because mm. he's okay. like, don't listen to this man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, because down there is really, like, heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very heavy, and and that's the thing too. Like there was also, um, what well, I'm trying to think of one of the smart words, but I I can't use it right now. Brain fart. So <laughs> there were there were a lot of allegations. There we go about some of the doctors and the nurses practicing in 
evil rituals, you know, conjuring up negative energy and, and using some of these patients for that. Or, you know, if, if somebody gave birth inside of central state, especially in the earlier days, you know, documentation and record keeping, that's a joke, you know, that people didn't care about that stuff. Even, I mean, more so today, you, it's, it's more difficult to get away with stuff, but there's still easier ways to get away with covering people's deaths up. So, you know, it, it's just bad. And, but that's what we were looking for this evening in particular was that sub basement. And we wanted to find these rooms that these doctors and nurses took these patients to. And we wanted to share their stories. We wanted to provide some type of closure. And ultimately at this time, we wanted to find evidence of the supernatural. So as we're traveling through this tunnel from the women's ward to the surgery ward, um, we get distracted. We don't find the, the sub basement, but we do find a crawl space that's like five feet up above the ground from this tunnel and we're like you know what we're already here we're almost to the bar treatment center why not let's jump in the crawl space maybe we'll find a way down who knows um maybe this is the crawl space that they took people into i don't know it, it would have been really difficult to get people up there to be honest with you i mean maybe if they were sedated and they had somebody jump up there and they lifted them it's really a lot of work, but some people are willing to do some crazy stuff, I guess, to get their fix. But we went up there and the crawl space is segmented in different portions. So there's the first part that the entrance of the crawl space is one really long like corridor. Uh, you have to crouch. It's probably no more than two and a half, three feet tall pipes all over the place. Um, and then there's this little crawl space door. It looked just like the one that we entered in, but it's inside the crawl space and it's built into a wall. So it's literally dividing another room of the crawl space. It's not all open. And th these corridors that we're in, they're probably a good 200 feet long like it, it went down really really far but we we went in a couple of the corridors so we went through the entrance we entered in the first little doorway and we entered into a second doorway so we're like two rooms deep in this crawl space at this point mm -hmm. don't know why we decided to go that deep in but we did and the the three of us this this night there were three of us and we start to talk we start to do our thing and you know 30 45 minutes in nothing happens so we we just listen after a while Still, nothing happens. And probably past 1 a.m. at this point, we'd usually stay till, you know, 4 to 6 in the morning. And um, I decide to start to provoke a little bit with my buddy that's next to me. We're, we're kind of in a line, the three of us, and we're, we have our backs up against the wall. And we start to provoke, demand that they come out. We offer our energy like the naive kids that we were. Nothing bad has happened up to this point. We've had some creepy stuff. We've had stuff thrown at us, but nothing severe enough, like, you know, being scratched or bitten or pushed or anything following us home. Well, to this point of us provoking, we start to have things being thrown and we're like, okay, what was that? <laughs> I actually have an EVP of my reaction to this very first object being thrown. It, it was thrown towards me. It was directed to right towards me and it hit me on my foot. And we didn't have any night vision or any video cameras at this time, but I was running EVP and I can play that for you. And I, I just let out this blood curdling scream. It, it was, <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing, but it's funny at the same time. But it was, you can hear, I, I guess the, the good thing about it is you can hear the reality of my voice. You can hear that genuine terror because when this rock was thrown at me, it was directly in front of me. And in front of me was an opening where there should have been another door, but it wasn't. It was just an opening, and it's probably a good 75 feet deep into another 
crawl space room that we didn't go into. And I had my flashlight right there on that little opening. And I saw the rock literally levitate up off the ground by itself by nothing, absolutely nothing. And it rainbow shot. It was like a little rainbow arch Mm -hmm. and it landed perfectly on my foot. And as soon as it tapped me, that's when I started screaming. (laughs) And oh my God, it was, it was so crazy. But M live, what really was my worst decision that night was that rock that I got hit with. I was so fascinated. I was so in love with the experience of what just happened to me. I picked it up and I took it home with me. I did. Cheese and that, rice. <laughs> that that is that is what started what I consider to be my attachment, my mm. my parasite, because I welcomed it. I what whatever attachment or energy it had contained in that rock, I allowed it to follow me wherever I took the rock. And after I took the rock, uh, the, the EVP, I keep rolling EVP, and you can hear, you know, I thank it, and I'm like, I'm sorry, and that we were being like that, but we're just wanting some activity. Well. Whatever this thing was or whoever, it didn't care about sorries or thank yous. It continued to throw rocks at us. You know, and, and prior to this, I should I should kind of share this um, to make sure the details are more fine. The things that we had thrown prior wasn't necessarily like violent, and it wasn't all the time. It, it, it was it's kind of like if maybe we kick something, you know, and it the the whole like objects being thrown at us and, and hitting us or going around us. It wasn't until after this. So I just wanted to make sure I got my timeline straight here. Um, but this was like the first real interaction that we had of intelligent throwing of objects by air and and this thing could it continued to throw object at us and these objects you know they were hitting the concrete wall behind us they were hitting the pipes around us and my buddies are panicking at this point i'm like okay let's let's go let's get out of here (laughs) and so that's what we did we we army crawled our way out because as we were leaving these rocks were literally hitting us in the back hitting the pipes overhead that they weren't stopping they got more violent and consistent and we finally made our way out of the crawl space and we jumped down and luckily there's an exit to our right it it was going up the bar treatment center you know but the thing is We'd never been in this building before and we didn't know our way around and we didn't know what to do, but we knew there was an exit. So that's where we went. And as we were making our way up, we, we, we still had those rocks being thrown at us. And that's really what validated me. Cause in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe it's my buddies throwing the rocks back in the crawl space. I, I don't know how they could have done it, but I, I thought logically, maybe they were just messing with me. We've been here for a couple hours, whatever. But what really hit me that it wasn't my friends was when both of them were in front of me running up the stairs and I was in the ass back and I was getting hit with rocks. And, you know, not to be disrespectful to this populace, but there was no homeless people. There were no drug addicts. There were no gang members. There were no animals. No there were no other teenagers. Yeah, there is nothing logically there that could have been doing that. And and this isn't, you know, some rigged up animatronic haunted house where there's like little right. Indiana Joan darts coming out at you. This is a dilapidated uh, condemned building. Like, what's going on right now? And as we're going up the stairs, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, this is actually happening. There's something down there, invisible but alive, and it's throwing things at us because we interacted with it. We pissed it off. So we get up to the, <clears throat> the ground floor of this bar treatment, the surgery ward come to find out the exit is completely chained up with chains it's completely locked we cannot get out and in the windows are the type of windows that have like you know the little chain mesh in there and all that good stuff and Mm -hmm. and 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 we decided to not go throughout the bar treatment center because we didn't know 
the schematic. We, we didn't know where to go and we didn't want to get lost in this building that we're not familiar with, with something that's alive and invisible and it's clearly attacking us. So we made a very hard, very difficult decision to go back down into the basement because at least we knew how to navigate. We knew that once we got back down to the tunnel, all we had to do was take a long straight shot down the tunnel and that would take us back to the women's ward. And we knew how to navigate through the women's ward by this point. But it was really difficult to go back down. It's so funny. It's just like a movie because we, we walked really slow to the top of the stairs that led back down to the basement. We just kind of peeked around with our flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, oh my God, we don't want to do this, but we know we have to if we want to leave. And so we did. And we slowly went down. Nothing was happening. No rocks. This thing just stopped. But in the back of my mind, I knew it was screwing with us. I knew it still knew that we were there. I knew that it was watching us. I've seen too many movies. I know how these little things do their thing, you know? And we get up to the crawl space and nothing happens. Crawl space is still open the way we left it. And we just kind of flash our, our lights in there a little bit. You know, it's like, okay, nothing. And we start to walk away from it. As soon as we start walking away from it, rocks start flying out of the crawl space again. We just looked in there. There's nobody in there. There's, there's no animals. We just looked in there and rocks are being thrown out of the crawl space. So that was enough to freak us out. I'm getting cold chills telling the story again because I'm, I'm picturing everything that I went through that night. And it's just... I can't believe it. And it's been so long too. But we, we started running and and I mean, we were just, we were gone. And as we were running, whatever this thing was, it, it didn't have to try to keep up with us. It stayed right there with us. Kept throwing rocks at us. It was throwing glass shards. It even got to the point where there, there's a section in the tunnel that is divided by a concrete wall and it has a metal door that separates the bar tunnel to the women's ward tunnel. Well, when I went to go grab this door and open it, because obviously it's a heavy door, it stays closed. Luckily, it didn't lock, but I go to open it. But as I go to grab the doorknob, I get hit on my right-hand wrist with this huge construction bolt. Oh, huge. It's, it's a type of bolt that keeps down like the pillars right. for the foundation. And actually, to this day, um, Liv, I, I have a little red scar on my wrist from that actual bolt. And it hit me so hard. And we're running EVP. You can hear me. You can hear my reaction. My buddy that was behind me, he almost got hit in the head with it. He felt the wind past him. It was aimed to me. Hit me. He picked it up and put it in his pocket. We were just picking stuff up. It was like souvenirs. Yay. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for it. But um, I, I ripped the door open after I get hit with this bolt. And mind you, too, the next day I had this huge huge black bruise on my uh, <laughs> on my wrist it, it was it was the size of a uh, silver dollar it, it, it was it was insane but anyway I didn't care about that at the time my adrenaline was pumping so I didn't really feel the pain it was just more that I felt the pressure and it shocked me but we ran through the door I shut the door behind us and my buddies looked back at me like should we keep going or should we take a break and I'm like okay let's let's take a break for a minute there's a door between us maybe it has a lining of salt and silver in it I don't know maybe we'll keep it back but I don't know, maybe it was the, the desperation of hoping this thing would stop. We sat there, we, we stood there for like literally 10 seconds just to catch our breath. I'm just like, we have to keep going, guys. I, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening, but this isn't normal. We just need to get out. So we started running. And of course, I mean, how silly of us to think that a door would stop something invisible. As soon as we start running, things start getting thrown at us again. The door didn't open. It didn't need to go through the door. It, I mean, it went through the door, but it didn't need to open it. And things were being thrown at us again. And we finally made our way through the, the uh, second boiler room, which led to the bar treatment center. And then as we made our way up through the boiler room, out into the um, underground hallway of the women's ward, we made our way to the exit. 
up to the staircase of the women's ward. But as we were going that way, at this point, there were like two by fours, wooden two by fours being knocked off the wall that were propped up on the wall. We were still being hit by bolts and glass shards and all this stuff. Like this thing followed us from the surgery ward to the women's ward. We made our way up the staircase to the uh, the lobby of the women's ward. And then we went out the side entrance, which was our primary entrance that we usually would take and still run an EVP. As we literally leave the exit, the actual like doorway of the women's ward, that particular moment on the EVP, I, I don't know how you are about curse words, but uh, there was something in a very demonic, nasty, grisly voice that said, F these guys. You can, you can hear it clear as day. You can hear it clear as day. F these guys. And you can, you can hear me breathing. So it's clearly not me. And you can hear my buddies like far away in the audio, but they're like ahead of me. But I don't know how to really explain it other than it's just audio directions. It it sounds like the sound came from behind me Mm -hmm. and it's like F these guys. And as we made our way out, into the the soccer field that was in front of the actual premises of Central State, everything stopped. Um, what's really kind of sc- creepy, scary, but cool, mix all together, I can't make up a word, but I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> is when we left, when we got into the um, onto the soccer field, we turned around one more time to look at the exit just to make sure there wasn't somebody there screwing with us. You know, homeless, somebody that didn't want us there. There was no one there. We flooded our lights on the doorway, but there were still rocks being thrown outside of that damn building. <laughs> they were still coming out of the building, man. And Persistent. But whatever... Yeah, but whatever it was, it was like it was tethered because it didn't follow us onto the the soccer court. Mm -hmm. It did not follow us. But I say that it seemed like it was tethered because it stopped there for that night. But after that night, my two buddies and I, we started to experience things that we had never experienced before. Um, And I can go into greater detail, but if you have any questions just about all of that, I know that was a lot. I'm sorry for being a chatty Cathy, but that's just a very sentimental story. And I've said it so many times, but I mean, man, it, it really left a a mark on me, you know? Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, I'll, I'll stop there first. Cause it, it continues in our homes. <laughs> sure. So who's throwing rocks with, Oh, she wrote down a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, I was just <laughs> narrating your story with the things that I saw. Mm, got to, Cause that's what happens when people tell stories. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, nice, and, nice. Uh, I feel like it was younger children when you were in the crawl space. I see like a boy. I want to say he's like, 10 11 and he has a friend but his friend doesn't talk very much i don't know if he is i don't know what's the word oh mentally disabled is yeah that what you're asking well they use the word slow but they're kids so ah, he's yeah. like my friend doesn't talk a lot he's just slow oh okay so he's like he's mute no he just isn't as articulate with his brain functioning so gotcha but there was a kid and then there was an older woman. She's like in her 40s, early to mid 40s. And when you were talking, they made me write a whole bunch of things down about what they were talking about. But I feel like the boys were the ones that were throwing rocks at you first. And gotcha. when you started provoking them, the woman stepped forward and she said, leave them be. And then it turned into them moving you guys towards the surgery ward. And they said something about Big Harry. Is that what I wrote? Harry? I think I did. I think you wrote Henry or Harry. I don't remember. I thought it said Henry too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I swear to God, I was hearing You definitely Harry. wrote Harry too, so I don't know what I was Oh, no. I I think it's Henry because I'm it's really Henry shitty too. with names, and they're probably just like, I'm going to use M. Yeah, because I literally read that. That's 
clearly says Harry and thought it said Henry. So uh-huh. it's 100% that. So I think there was another guy that worked there and his name was Henry, but he's like this big guy. Um, he kind of makes me think about Lurch, who was this person that we kind of talked to or entity in With a different Zach, video. Zach Bagans Museum. Yeah, they're like, push him towards Big Henry. And I think Big Henry worked in the surgery ward kind of as just like a helper because he might have also been a little mentally disabled as well. But he was helpful, if that makes any sense, because he could take directions. And I feel like once you guys started to move back towards the door when the bolt fell on your hand, because I saw like a whole bunch of people behind you, which is when you said you felt like more rocks were following you. The bolt that fell on your hand, I think, is the scary man that was in the surgery ward. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Because he kind of was like, screw this noise, and was kind of trying to be like the end-all be-all for the situation, which is why it was more obnoxious than everyone else's. And then once you finally got out, there was like the big, big guy who was not there before that is the one that spoke into your EVP. Kind of like a bouncer-esque type body build gotcha was it human yes form or okay yeah no all of them are people i didn't get any like weird entity malignant type things and i was wondering when you took the rock home did you experience things because i feel like this big henry guy was attached to the rock for lack of a better words but whatever was bothering you wasn't him he's the one that was trying to make the weird entity that ended up manifesting itself from the rock. Um, And it's not necessarily from the rock, it's from the scariness that you felt from taking the rock home that kind of made it be weird if there was something like that. opened yourself up to it because you had it. So it gave you the, like, I don't know if it's context is the right word, like the idea that that could happen. So they kind of manipulated that idea. So I don't know if something happened to you. I think you were about to get into that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is when we went home, the three of us, we did have our own type of encounters uh, because mm-hmm. some all, all three of us did take something home from Central State at this point. And for me, it was The Rock. And I did have some papers that I had prior, but I didn't have any experiences. Um, it was only after I took this rock that I was hit with by whatever invisible force was before me. And, and then my two buddies, one of them took the bolt that I got hit with home. And the other guy, he, I can't remember exactly what he took. I knew he had papers and he may have had, uh, oh, he had like medicine jars that he had found, um, stuff like that. So one yeah, of them, the one with of, the medicine jars. Sorry. I'm sorry. They're kind of telling me. So a lot of witches, they will go to cemeteries to like get things for their spells. However, they believe that you have to ask permission before taking things from the spirits. And they're making me remember that. And it's interesting that each of you took something and each of you had an experience because I feel like you may have not been allowed to take those things. Right, right. No, you're you're right on it there. And it's that's exactly what I'm thinking too. Um at the point at that point I didn't. I had no idea of what to think. And and I'll I'll get into that of what I went through that kind of validated 
my understanding finally <laughs> in the end. But yeah, I'm right on right on board with you on that because we didn't ask permission. We just more so took, you know, and, and it's just like with us, they can't necessarily do something to us without permissions. But we took something of theirs that they had interacted with us for souvenir because we were excited and it was great. But my buddy with the medicine bottle and papers, he had had an issue with night tears and like vivid night terrors of something attacking him. He he heard scratching on his bedroom walls, like there was something in there trying to get out to him. And the ceiling fan in his parents' room had fallen off, but it when it came when it came down off the hinges, it came at an angle and hit his mom in the head. That's what happened to him. That that's pretty much all the experiences that he had happen. And all of this happened in a month's time. The other guy, he didn't have as much happen to him. I'm not too sure why. Maybe it's because he didn't provoke as much. Maybe he didn't believe as much. But he had some nightmares, night terrors. But from what he shared with us, that was really the extent of his encounters. But for me, I feel like maybe because I was the leader of the group, I provoked more. I was more in it, I guess, to to get that evidence. Maybe they attacked me uh, a little more severely. I, I don't know. But I know whenever I went home a couple of days on... After this encounter, I started to have night terrors myself, and they were very, very vivid. There was something that there was this really tall, dark black mass. It didn't really have any detail that I could that I can share, but it was a, a black mass when I could physically see it in my night terrors. But then at times it would go invisible, and it would just be invisible like force. But what it would do is it would grab me by my ankle and drag me out of my bed, and my night terrors were in my room. And in, in, in my home, it was like a parallel universe. It's almost as if it was my spirit that was getting its ass kicked and, and my body was just back there sleeping. But this thing would drag me out of my bed and it would throw me up against the walls and the ceiling. It would drag me out to the hallway and hit me up against the ceilings out there. And then it would let go of me and I would get up and just kind of look at it. and It would stare at me. And then for whatever reason, I looked out the side window of the hallway in, in my old home at the time. And when I looked outside, everything was white. I feel like I could see the grass, but everything else was just completely white. It was like a blank canvas. And once I looked out there, that's when I would wake up finally from my night terrors. And I would be in a sweat. My heart would be racing. And I'd get up out of my bed and be like, holy crap, did that just happen? One night that this happened, it only happened once, but I'd woken up from this and my bed was shaking. Literally like from The Exorcist, uh, the, the old 70s flick. And my bed was literally shaking. And being in the state of Indiana, I know that there has been some accounts for like uh, minor earthquakes or whatever. So, you know, I think logically, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not going off something. And and there was no, there was no accounts, no news um, channels about any explosions or earthquakes or anything, you know, natural or logical. And But at, at this time of this incident, the bed was shaking. But as soon as I woke up and I jumped out of my bed, as this was going on out of a panic, it literally just stopped. It just stopped. And I flicked the light on. I looked underneath my bed to make sure none of my cats were underneath there. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an only child, so I didn't have any siblings. I didn't have any friends staying the night. My parents aren't the type to pull pranks on me like this. It's just an old wooden frame bed, you know, and um, there's nothing there. And that happened, so that, that was pretty terrifying. And then later on, I uh, this only happened once, but I had gotten scratched in the shower. Um, it, it was a little scratch, but it was three little little marks on the back in the middle of my back where I can't really get my hand to do a perfect scratch. Um, I was, you know, just washing up like normal uh, without soap at this point, And my back started to burn. I'm just like, 
what the hell you know so i'm just like okay whatever i i finished my my do and i uh, got out got cleaned up and everything and put on some clothes and i asked my dad to take a look at my back for me and and he looked and said sure enough son you have you have scratches on your back it, and you know he didn't really know what to take of it and i didn't either at the time but i had him take a picture and i got pictures of that and that that was interesting and let's see what uh what started happening towards the end this is like week three week four towards the end before we finally figure things out i'm sorry that this encount this um i i guess you can say uh symptom rather for lack of better words this this started probably the second week week and a half into two weeks so while everything else was happening this started to occur about the second weekend i started feeling like i needed to throw up every single day every single day from the time that i woke up to the time i went to sleep the only time i didn't feel like vomiting was when i was asleep and i never did throw up but i felt like it every single day it was horrible um it was so bad that i actually had my mom take me to my doctor twice to see if there was something wrong with me a bug or maybe some type of intestinal issue gastro i don't know help me out <laughs> and he pressed on me he did what he could i didn't go to a specialist but he did say, he's like, Schuler, there's really nothing that I can say that's wrong with you. Um, chemically, physically, you, you seem healthy. So the only thing I can really diagnose you with, if anything, is, you know, that you have uh, anxiety. Like, you know, is there a lot going on? I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm going through testing, but I'm no, like at school, I'm but I'm no stressed out than I ever have been before. So, I mean, like, I don't know what to think. And in the second visit, I feel kind of bad, but I kind of got a little irritated with him that he wasn't giving me something to fix this like give me something give me morphine put me sleep <laughs> you right. know i don't know but he's he's like sure i've been in this practice for years and i'm like i i get that doctor I, I don't mean any disrespect but i'm like i know what i feel and i i know that mentally i'm i'm okay you know i i just but i feel like i need to throw up every single day and i don't know what to do and so i i go home after that i feel defeated and me and my mom are talking and my mom, she's like, you know what? She, she started giving me ideas. She's like, I, you need to stop doing that paranormal stuff. She's like, because she's she's into the spirituality thing, and she's more old school where um, you're not supposed to mess with it. You're just supposed right. to go to church and all yeah. that. She She's become more open-minded now, but at that time, she was kind of telling me that to be careful, and, and that's when a light bulb went off. I'm like, you're probably right. That's exactly what it is. I'm a paranormal investigator. I've been screwing with stuff. I brought stuff home. This is literally a 101. Why did I not think about this before? And then mind you both too, other things that happened both during the day and the nighttime, I had monster cans that I used to collect. And these cans would be flicked and popped late at night when I was trying to go to sleep. Like so, literally, like someone took their middle finger and was flicking them. And I would tell wh whatever it was to leave me the hell alone. I'm trying to go to sleep. And then it would stop, but it would continue to do it nightly. And there was one morning that I was going to school. This is like 9 a.m. This is like 8.45, 9 in the morning. One of my monster cans literally launched up in the air right in front of my face and floated back down and landed perfectly where it was sitting at before it got launched up in the air. That was insane. Yeah, he's like, you see <laughs> it, this? This is the early, yeah. late 2000s. This is the late, oh, no. <laughs> mid-2000s. What are you doing collecting monster cans? You think you're that scene? What are you doing? Oh, my God. Making a list out of, the, out of the, the tops. You know what I'm saying? You were a cool kid, like one of the cool emo kids, if you had a necklace oh, yeah. made of the different rainbow ones. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember those. Li I remember those. <laughs> duct tape wallets. Oh, yeah. Oh Kids made a fortune 90s. off of those back in the day, man. Oh, for sure. Selling gum illegally. Illegally? <laughs> hey, 
me a dollar for a strip of gum. Oh yeah, man. Sorry. Yeah, you, when you're hey, when you're on the inside, a dollar went a long way for that one piece, you know. Mm-hmm. They're so the not ones meant that, to like, be sold separately. Tasted like what was it? Like key lime pie. Mm-hmm. Remember those? Oh ones? Yeah. yeah. The you layers. Had, like, five gum. You were cool if you had five gum. No. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. No. I didn't go to private school where five gum was not not cool. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. But you know, along with those those monster cans popping, to to kind of finally put it into this story, what me and my buddies did because we hadn't been back to Central State for that time period. We we actually kind of stopped investigating for a while. But we, I, I finally got together with everyone. You know, made some calls, and I'm like, I think I know what we need to do to stop this stuff. You know, you guys are, you've been sharing this with me. This is what's been happening. I've been experiencing this. Telling these things to stop hasn't done it. At this point, I wasn't really close to God or, you know, a higher power spiritual type of thing, but I was starting to become very open to it. But we finally got together about after a month of this type of stuff happening. And we went back to Central State, went down to the women's ward, and we took all of the souvenirs, all of the objects that we had ever collected, even before we started having activity. We just didn't want to mess with it anymore. And we, we laid it in the, uh, the first boiler room of the women's ward. We didn't even care about taking it to the exact spots. Right. We laid everything there. We said, we don't want this anymore. We're sorry. We apologize. We apologize for being uh, negative and provoking. I said a prayer to God. That's that's really kind of what opened up the door to me and him. And we, we just really laid everything out. We laid barriers. We um, used our free will. We prayed. We put everything back. And on everything that I believe in, after that night, literally that night into the next day, my whole vomit filling symptoms that I had, it stopped. It went away. And so did everything else. The night terrors, the shaking of the bed, the popping cans. Uh, one of those cans, by the way, had, uh, you know, the monster can logo has the three slashes, like the mock of the Trinity and all that. Well, one of those cans that was being flung, the uh, the paint of those three slashes was actually carved. Like somebody had taken a knife, the edge of a knife, and slashed the paint oh, off of the can. That was creepy. Yeah. Oh, maybe you guys can help me with this because this is, has been a mystery. Um, I had a Kleenex box. In um, on my nightstand one day randomly while all this crap was going on I had random initials carved in to this box and it was very crude like somebody taking a knife or their fingernails I don't know what they stand for it, it was um, VWF or VFW it, it was one of those two I believe it was VFW it was carved into my my Kleenex box I, I have no idea why or what that meant but that that was another random thing that happened was it a V or a J? It was a V, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, I heard, are you sure it's a V? Because they, they just showed me how bad I am at writing and how I had to make my R's a specific way so that I knew that they were R's because they would look like literally every letter possible except for an R. Mm. So if that helps you out. I don't know. I, right. I got J first, mm -hmm. but I don't know the other ones. I mean, they were pretty crude, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's maybe it was a message. Maybe their initials. Um, maybe they were trying to tell me something or, but of course I, I wasn't really open to that point, but I, I do know finally everything had ended after that. But th those were a couple of oddities that, um, you know, kind of, kind of stayed behind after everything that I wanted to share with you both. Well, that's absolutely crazy. I would have pooped your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, it, it was <laughs> Listen here, demon. 
obviously Demon. you don't understand sleepover rules. We're going to have to reestablish <gasps> what a tickle fight is. And it doesn't start with you throwing me around my room ethereally. Cause that ain't cool. Here's a pillow. <laughs> Get your shit together. God. Right. <laughs> also bathroom rules. When I'm in the bathroom, you got to stay outside. Go ask mom for an ego. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would hope it would go by the rules too, though, Liv. Let me tell you. Exactly. <laughs> Man, because it, mm. it has nothing to do with you bringing a rock home. It's that you didn't establish ground rules with said demon. That's it. With said demon. <laughs> said demon. God. <laughs> Sorry. Should ask for its name. No, that's all right. I should ask for the name because when you when you're talking to a demon, you command it. It has to answer you. So the story goes. Mm. Yeah, people believe that if you know a demon's name, you have power over them. I'm gonna call him Jimothy. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a V or a J. I'm going to say Jimothy. Hey, that's good. That's smart. <laughs> so, the last question that I have is about equipment. So, we have a Patreon page, and we have reached a specific goal where we need to buy another piece of equipment. What is the coolest piece of equipment that you have or want? Oh, man, the coolest piece. I don't know if we could really categorize the coolest, <laughs> but I can try to meet you in the middle, though, Em, and go with what I believe to be the most effective. Because I used to think that you had to have the best type of technology, the best equipment to get the best results. Um, obviously, that's that's not the case. It's what really should go into your quest of what type of equipment to get or to get next is what type of evidence do you want? Do you want more audible type of evidence? Do you want still photography where you can blow things up and really get into the pixels and the detail of what you captured, you know, after you take like a, a strand of five pictures in the same spot? Or are you looking more so for like video type of evidence of something being there on moving picture with audio with you and it dissipates, you know, or, or nowadays, you know, they're getting more techie out there that there's digital evidence where uh, people are using like the SLS system. It's like the Xbox 360 connect and it's yeah. uh, mo <laughs> motion sensors and stuff like that. You know, I mean, there's some really cool stuff out there and, and there's technology out there that I know they're releasing that I'm not even all that familiar with. I'm, I'm pretty old school. I'm like ghost hunter, ghost buster from the nineties to maybe the 20 up to 2015. That's where I stopped. But if I had to share what I think you both should try to work with, it would be night vision cameras. And I would try to go with the, um, the purple filter, which I'm sure they have a more professional name, but uh, not the black and white, not the green, but the purple, because yeah. that, that spectrum, it just seems more definitive and it covers further range. And I think you would get better evidence in the sense of like real lifetime. And of course, if you want to do lives too, if you could set up your camera to like a live stream, that would be good for uh, your audience too maybe they see something that you didn't and you have that full spectrum night vision it's i feel like that would really be the best thing to be honest yeah that's really cool because we're going to do a poll for them and list off different things that they can choose from that will get next as one of their like things that they can do for patreon but the uh, night vision camera is a good idea. I vote for the night vision camera. Yeah, I, one, because purple is your favorite color. <laughs> and two, I well, need to be able to see the pizza while I'm eating it. And I also, I also wanna, have a thing for cameras. So <laughs> I want to do the SLS thingy because I think that's the one that makes it look what? like stick figures, right? Oh. Yes, oh. that's it. Well, when we go to castles, I need to be able to see the people on the camera that I'm waltzing with. 
that you're actually seeing I'm a- as a psychic medium. <laughs> yes, but it's going to be me with tap dancing shoes uh-huh. doing like <laughs> the funky chicken. And you're going to have to see the can- like the outline of the stick figure doing the funky chicken with me. I'm going to teach yeah, some Victorian that'll be hilarious. people how to do the sprinkler literally hilarious mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> that's great <laughs> and we would totally get a spirit to do that too 100 percent. just for the sole fact that it's hilarious phoebe would do it 100 percent. she would do it phoebe's one of the uh, souls that were at the graveyard <laughs> oh man uh, well at least they're positive though you know you don't have to worry about something thrown to you against your spiritual walls oh, or anything yeah. <laughs> oh no phoebe's hilarious she was goading when we got to the cemetery for our paranormal investigation she's like i'm gonna sing and i was like phoebe one I'm not going to sing for you. That's not cool. We don't do that here. I'm not a good singer. Number two, how do you think you're going to sing? I don't think we have EVP thing or anything. So I don't understand why you're singing. And uh, she was like, don't test me. And then I didn't know, but Em had her little, what is it? Polter? It's a polter tune. Mm. It's a motion to sensor music box. Yeah. She was literally singing to the music of the music box. Yes. That's cool. Yeah getting goaded by phoebe also she kept showing me phoebe from friends and i was like okay is this just my head playing these movies or am like this has to be my ego right because i've watched friends and then she kept showing me chandler from friends and i was like that is so silly i don't understand this has to be my own dumb brain because i was like phoebe and chandler aren't even like a thing like chandler i don't think has a girlfriend during the show so like why is why are you showing me phoebe and chandler i didn't realize this the first time but when we went there after she had already like spanked me on telling me that she was gonna sing and then Em had a freaking polter tune. She's like, this is music, suck it. Uh, I look at her tombstone and it says, her first name is Phoebe and her last name was Chandler. (laughs) What? Dude, it was crazy. What? (laughs) That's a mind blow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She would. would. She'd do it better than me too. She doesn't have legs now, technically. Oh my God. Oh my god, that's great! That is so cool, especially if you get that on SLS. Oh man, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be really funny. I'll do it. <laughs> Don't tempt me. We already told you. Gotta you. get one first. The terms are stuffed crust pizza and juice boxes that taste like the color blue. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if he wants like to join little... in and do the funky chicken, that's fine too. We'll do a whole line. It'll be like the YMCA thing, you know, when the one guy has all of the other people on the stick behind him. You know? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> you got any more questions no i'm excited thank you so much for being on our podcast Euler. absolutely and i thank you both for having me on by all means and you know the more that you both get into the whole paranormal investigation stuff uh let me know how it goes you know let me know if you have questions or if you have any evidence you know you want to share it's i'm always open to seeing that cool stuff and knowing where you're going too yeah we'll have to come visit you in florida and uh, oh, go yes. to St. Augustine? Is that what it was? That's it. Oh, St. Augustine. Meet the Gordon's Fisherman in the Lighthouse. you get ready for that collab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So first, do you want to say where the best place to reach you, all your socials? Sure. Yeah, no, that'd be really great. Yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, you know, if you're in Florida or even if you're, you know, throughout anywhere else in the world, um, you can simply go to Google and type in P-I-O-T Paranormal. That's my paranormal team's name. And uh, whenever you type that in, you should be able to find all the different outlets that we're connected to. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We have our own website. Of course, we have our own uh, audio show as well, The Para Connection. So, 
you have stories or if you just want to take a listen, by all means, reach out and we'll be more than happy to speak with you. It's always good talking about the not so normal. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend and her name's Abby. We used to call her Abby Normal. God. And we'll make sure to put all of their information in our show notes so you can go watch our collab on his channel as well. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, collaborations are always fun, especially when it comes to discussing the supernatural and finding evidence. You want to say <laughs> say the oath with us? Or are you going to oh, shout you out our say- patrons? Oh, do you want to sit through while we shout out our patrons? <laughs> Or do you want us to leave you and then do that? <laughs> There's a lot. Oh, I can totally stay for whatever you guys are doing. That's cool. It won't take that long. So thank you to all of our patrons that make this possible. Katie, Melissa, Twilina, Maddie, Ray, Kelsey, Sierra, Shade Comet, Michelle, Taylor, Charlene, Emma, Michelle, Hannah, Shelly, Ray, Putita, Jeanette, Shawnesha, Casey, Amanda, Simon, Jonathan, Buzzy B, Jessica, Megan, Stephanie, Cynthia, Aaron, Jalisa, Melbendel, Caroline, Cynthia, Stuart, Taylor, Alexis, B. Russell Sprout, Amy, Noel, EC, Francesca, Moonlight, Jessica, Jada, Felicia, Destiny, Amy, P. Mandarin, Ziggy, Living Susie, Noel, Jocelyn, Leanna, Kate, Leah, Nancy, Chloe, Astral Heart, Jen B, Cindy, Joanna, Lily, Anthony, Elizani, Trinity, Kara, Kimberly, Delilah, Judy, Hazuki, Byron, Ilse, Chloe, Lena, Rob, Jennifer, Metric, Nancy, Christine, Astral Walker, JT, Savannah, Ellie, JD, Sarah, Todd, Erica, the wildflower child, Mia, Isabel, Jeremy's random life, Alex, Amanda, Azale, Bethann, Maria, Haley, Idhara, Faith, Alex, Caitlin, Sasuke Magician, Lori, Mercedes, Christine, Terry, Christina, Sky, Marie, Sheba, Elise, Stephanie, Jay, Kiana, Tiger Lily, Chloe, Natalia, Michelle, Joshua, Miranda, Veronica, Parker, Jennifer, Brian, Lauren, Shun, Talia, Brianna, Salvador, Hannah, Alexis, Aquarius, Natasha, Izzy, Kat, Sydney, Kate, Ashley, Sharon, Melissa, Raggle Maggie, Tuesday, Sarah, Cole, Mama Lama, Danielle, Susie, Lisa, Charlotte, Allie, Leslie, Danielle, Jason, Kyla, Practical Sapphic, Samantha, Janice, Angelina, Titus, Emily, Justine, Kathy, Ashley, Veronica, Gibby, TMQ927, Alexi, Petra, Sinji, Liam, Jay, Pamela, Lucas the Spider Fanatic, Jasmine, Emily, Keely, Lacey, Jinter, Lanita, Kara, Sandrine, Kiera, Jennifer, Rena, Samantha, Clarissa, Brittany, Miss Alice, Nelson, Sarah, Ashley, Sarah, Angie, Julie, Synth, Hannah, Ryan, Amy, Tasha, V, JCLO, Leslie, Shelley, Donnelly, Jasmine, Julie, Brittany, Paige, Marin, Christina, Christopher, Connor, Alicia, Vanna, Amber, Sitlily, Courtney, Rita, Abril, Aki, Sergio, Asteria, Brandy, Gaymeyer, Brooke, Lee, Ashley, Dallas, Sarah, Alisa, Gannon, Veronica, Chris, Emily, Meredith, Lindsay, Beth, Ashley, Annalie, Tara, Brandy, Marcy, Rosora, Megan, Faith, 
Jessica, Yasmin, Glow, Amba, Brooke, Ellie, Flavende, Leanne, Ocarona, Liliana, Anya, Abby, Sarah, April, Cassie, Joanne, Helen, Natalie, Alec, Sarah, Amanda, Tuna, Izzy, Alexa, Gokatsi, Sophia, Bria, Katie, Bees, Brittany, Kendall, Shandy, Riley, Riker, Jay, Lucretia, Kristen, Kima, Samantha, Erica, Ian, Vanessa, McKenna, Shannon, Cindy, Mev, Trinity, Cass, Violet, Peyton, Mac, Jenny, Laurel, Bradley, Sandy, Nas, Sherry, Katie, Charles, Flo, Abby, and Malake. Oh, this was fun. I appreciate it. It was a good time. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on our show and uh, listening to us tell you about weird ghost things. (laughs) Absolutely, guys. Yeah, and I thank you both for having me on. It's always great speaking, you know, with like-minded, open-minded people. And I enjoyed the end part here, too. It's like you two were playing a really hardcore game of Uno, you know, trying to get that last card really quick. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Liv can't see very well, so... (laughs) That's why it's, it's really <laughs> close to her face and it's moving and I'm like, oh God. It's also hilarious why I'm clairvoyant because I'm blind as a possum. Oh my God. Dude, I got glasses thicker than Coke bottles. Oh no. <laughs> stop a speeding bullet. I'll be like Teddy Roosevelt, but instead of like stopping a bullet with like my, uh, what is it? The little thingy, the thing that you write things on, speech papers. Okay. It'll be my. It'll my, be your glasses. Yeah. It'll God. save your hey, life all right. one day. You just wait. Your oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> You're going to say the oath now? We are your meta kicks. Get ready for this collab. It's going to be great. That's it. We're done.